My work on labour traditions and, and connections in Wales I think is important because if you look at the history of the Labour Party in Wales, it's normally associated with South Wales, you know, through my work, I think, and, and other people as well. We've started to show that tradition actually goes across those kind of geographical boundaries. So we're looking at connections between North and South Wales politically, culturally, socially, and we can do that through the lens of, of the Labour movement and the Labour Party and, and that Labour tradition. So I think in terms of building connections, I think what we've come to understand over the last 20 years or so as that work's developed, really, is that there's much more to Labour than just being the party of South Wales. There's actually a distinctive tradition in the North as well. We could look at maybe an English-language Labour tradition and a Welsh-language Labour tradition and the different kinds of politics that inspired those traditions in different places, you know, um, so kind of affinity to chapel and, and Welsh culture in, in one place perhaps and a more kind of Marxist perhaps tradition in another place that's less religious, less tied to, to Welsh culture and those kind of things. So we can make connections and, but also we can help to kind of look inside those connections and probe them and see how valid they are at certain points in time and, and then sort of move away from that and sort of question really the whole notion of a kind of north-south divide perhaps through the lens of the Labour movement. The connection, say, with Labour and class would be an interesting one to explore. Again, we're looking at very kind of uh, notions, if you like, myths, if you like, Labour is the party of the working class. Therefore, to understand Labour, you simply look at the working class in Wales and their political identities and affiliations, when obviously there's much more to Labour than that. Labour has been the party of the middle class in Wales at times, you know, uh, especially over the last decade or so, a kind of middle class uh, swing to Labour. So we can sort of build connections in other aspects of the module. Gender would be another one, quite clearly, where through a sort of gender lens we can understand the Labour tradition and vice versa. So the, the Labour tradition connects us with, with several aspects of the module, place, class gender um, and so on. So I think we can certainly use the Labour tradition to understand the complexities perhaps of some of those areas. Andrew explains how work and the changing economy have affected Labour traditions in Wales. The restructuring of the economy in Wales has obviously had a huge impact on the way that the Labour tradition has developed. I mean, if you go back and look at the interwar period, the Labour Party is associated with the old extractive industries, if you like, um, coal uh, in the south, especially slate in the north. But obviously in the period after 1945, you're witnessing the decline of those old industries and new industries coming in in their place. A kind of decline of the old blue-collar work and a rise of, of white-collar work. Then Labour has to adapt to that change. And if you look at the history of the Labour Party in Britain in the 1950s, you know, Labour fails in the 1950s largely because it doesn't respond very well to those changes. And only in the 1960s does Labour start to put together an agenda that sort of appeals to this new emergence of a new class, if you like, a new, new notions of, of, of affluence and of identity and, and, and ambition and all those sort of things. So over the last 30 years, or, or 40 years, I guess, um, it's quite interesting to look at Labour and how Labour's adapted to that challenge and how it's continued to be successful in Wales in the light of a new sort of industrial base, a new 
workplace, a kind of shift in in work patterns where sort of male-dominated industries have been replaced with mixed, perhaps, or in some places, female-dominated sort of uh, workplaces, especially the new sort of industries that came into the M4 corridor and those kind of places. So I think that looking at the Labour tradition is an interesting insight, really, into how a political party or a political movement adapts to change over time and continues to be successful. I guess sort of process of reinvention in many ways to fit sort of contemporary needs you know that you can't sort of survive simply by being a party of the coal mines and the old heavy industrial base you've got to be more than that you've got to aspire to a kind of upwardly mobile ambitious generation who view life very differently to their previous generation or or two generations previously. I think if you're looking at different case studies and how case studies can bring a, you know life into a chapter, one of the things that's always interested me is personality. You know, I've always been interested in biography. I've always been interested in individuals. And I think one of the things I try and do in the chapter is to bring out how, by looking at certain individuals, we can understand strands of a tradition. And also we can understand strands of identity and place. So in this chapter, we look at different personalities who've represented different aspects of that Labour tradition over the years. I mean, you know, the most prominent perhaps would be someone like Anirin Bevan, who seemed to represent very much this kind of working class, sort of hard-edged Labour tradition in the South. But there are lesser-known Labour figures from the North, uh, Cledwin Hughes, who was Labour's MP for Anglesey, Granby Roberts, Labour's MP for Carnarvon, who represented a different kind of tradition. So much much closer to the Welsh language, much closer to a Welsh-speaking culture and those kind of things, who actually tell us a very different story about the Labour Party. The interesting thing, of course, that again, returning to the theme of connections, is these guys sit round the same table and fight for the same cause, but they come from incredibly different backgrounds and have very, very different political motivations and ideas. And if you take that story on to the present day, you can see those traditions very much alive in the Labour Party today. I think one of the things you've noticed in the Labour Party over the the last 10 years or since the arrival of devolution is the way, perhaps, that the Welsh language has been propelled very much in in Labour politics and onto the Labour agenda. If you look at the recent battle for the Welsh Labour leadership, the Welsh language played an incredibly important role in that battle Whereas perhaps, I don't know, 20, 30 years earlier, that wouldn't have been the case. So in some ways, we're returning to those sort of agendas set by people like Cledwin Hughes and Gronwy Roberts 50 years ago that did talk up the importance of language in the Welsh political debate. And only now are we seeing the impact of those debates on current Labour politics in Wales. And similarly... If you look at the personnel within the Welsh Labour movement, you can still see your your Nye Bevan people. You can still see people inspired by the Bevan tradition, by that old working class radicalism, by the notions of sort of the valleys and, and, and solidarity and all that kind of thing. So both those traditions that I try and bring out in the 1940s, 1950s, I think are very much alive today. And again, I think that's an, an important sort of means of understanding contemporary Wales as well as historical Wales. How useful are maps as resources or research methods? Using maps in, in research and also in teaching is a really good way of kind of uh, mapping change over time. Maps 
And looking at maps really gives you a really good impression of how, in this particular instance, labour grows in Wales from 1918 onwards. You know, you can see it very clearly on a, on a map that in this South Wales sort of industrial belt, labour establishes itself very, very quickly in the interwar period. But then that grows and spreads slowly to begin with, but then quickly across the whole of Wales. So it gives you a very clear picture of how that influence grows. The problem with the maps, I guess, one of the things we have to go beyond is that the map doesn't tell the story. We need to probe, we need to understand how and why labour has grown. So the map sort of gives us a very simple illustration of growth but it doesn't explain growth. So if we look at and pick out individual constituencies on that map and try and understand how that labour tradition grew in that particular constituency over time and indeed why it then fails, perhaps why we move away from it, then we need to do more research. We need to understand a little bit more. So maps are a fantastic starting point and to see it very clearly, very graphically, but they're also kind of a means of motivating us to try and understand why in this sort of bizarre constituency somewhere in Wales did we see Labour establish itself in this particular point in time and then why that sort of domination was lost. One of the questions, I guess, in politics is do political parties win elections or do other political parties lose them? So one of the pitfalls is we see, for example, in the maps I've used, a Labour domination growing and establishing itself. What we don't see through those maps is the way that other political parties are withering and failing at the same time. So maps that show sort of uh, a sort of implantation fail to show failure and fail to show the reasons for failure, perhaps. Maps tend to illustrate success somehow, although they also illustrate failure, if you know, if you know what I mean. And we need to probe, perhaps... Maps can be misleading in the sort of first-past-the-post political system. You know, a split vote can allow a party to be successful in the constituency when actually their strength and their implantation isn't that great at all. It's just that they've won the majority of votes, but actually there's no great tradition, there's no great implantation in that particular constituency. From the Open University... For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.